Hello, welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thanks for having me again. Today's topic, The Lost Boys, Joel Schumacher's 1987 cult classic. The film's ensemble cast includes Corey Haim, Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, Corey Feldman, Diane Wiest, Edward Herman, Billy Worth, Brooke McCarter, Alex Winter, Jameson Newlander, and Barnard Hughes. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Honestly, you caught me off guard because I suggested, you know, Halloween is around the corner. Lost Boys, yep. it seems like a perfect fit for the podcast. There has been comics, sequel comics, spin-offs. And your response was, you've never seen it. Blew my I've mind. Never seen it. <clears throat> never seen it. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Now <laughs> me too. I mean, of all the people I know, you are the biggest Bill and Ted fan. This is yeah. the other film that Alex Winter did away from Bill and Ted. And, you know, he's done some other smaller films and I think he's directing TV at the moment. But this is the other Alex Winter film. So, again, I know, really right? surprised that you're not seeing I know. It. I, 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 I can't believe it. Like, like I say, I'm a Bill and Ted tragic. Um, and yet I never heard of Lost Boys or I certainly didn't even realise Alex Winter's involvement in it. I even had the dumb idea that he direct, directed the thing. I didn't realize it was a Schumacher film. Oh, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is Schumacher before Batman Forever, before yeah. Batman and Robin. This is back when he was making films that were liked by a wider audience. I mean, you know, Probably people, a good come thing. To, people have come to enjoy his Batman films over time, and I guess kids would have mm. enjoyed them at the time. But this mm. and films like... Flatliners, which also starred Kiefer Sutherland, good Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. and um, absolutely, like Schumacher, like I don't know, like he's pretty much he's much maligned because of his Batman films, as you said. But this was actually pretty good. I I enjoyed this. I'm going to say it now. I mean, we're going to get to the rating at the end. I love this film. Yeah. Always have. It's a personal favorite of mine. So yeah, this is a great, great Schumacher film you know originally executive producer richard donner intended to direct but productions delays and all of that he moved on to lethal weapon which also came out in 87 eventually mm -hmm. hiring schumacher for the job in the film you do see in the video shop the cover of the goonies on vhs I was going to say, um, that's very interesting you should mention that because the film does have a, a really Goonies feel to it. It does. I mean, originally it wasn't going to be teenagers. It was going to be kids and more Goonies-esque. And you've got Corey mm. Feldman, so there's your Goonies connection. Richard Donner, I mentioned already, he directed the Goonies. But yeah, they, they aged them up, and I'm really glad that they yeah, did. I agree. So when Schumacher was asked to direct this film, because he was approached. He simply stated, vampires are hot. They're the only erotic monsters. Frankenstein is not hot. So there you go. <laughs> That's so, pretty good. Not. That's good logic. I, I can't fault that. I can't nah, fault not that at rationale. All. You know, 
I mean, I cannot praise Schumacher enough for this film. Like, he brought so much to it. I mean, he mm. graduated from Parsons School of Design and originally became a fashion designer. You look at this film, and yes, it's extremely dated. This is a, an mm. 80s-looking film, but in the best possible way. When it came to like, the costumes and what the characters were going to be wearing, they were of that time. So they got a lot of control over what their characters would wear. And that, I think, although, again, extremely dated now, added to it looking a lot more genuine, cool, hip, all of that for 87. Absolutely, it's very apparent. Yeah, and that being his background before filmmaking is obviously carried a lot of that over. You know, it's funny. When I saw Richard Donner's name, I was like, "Ah, I wonder Luke likes this film. Don Donner, of course, being responsible for Superman. That's right. And we do get a comic book shop in this film. Again, another like head scratch moment. How have you not seen this? You've got characters in this film discussing Superman. Yeah, referencing comics. comics. And just the look of the Frog Brothers. Like the the influences are there from like films of that time. Yeah. Corey Feldman clearly modeled his look on Rambo. Like he's oh, got yeah, the, yeah. He's with, got the with red the, bandana. The headband. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the headband. He, he was in everything in like the 80s, right up to probably the early 90s. Corey Feldman was just everywhere. He blew up. Oh, absolutely, mate. Do you know what? Do you know how old? I had to look it up last night. Do you know how old Feldman is in this film? I would guess 18. 14. Wow. Kiefer Sutherland is David. He was mm. 17 at the time of he filming. He so young. He really did. And it kind of shows. Yeah, but I always thought that Kiefer Sutherland was so much older in this. And I guess you thought mm. the same with uh, Feldman. But yes, I mean, this is a young, a young looking cast. The title. Yeah. Always loved the title of The Lost Boys. It's a reference mm. to The Lost Boys yeah. in J.M. Barry's stories. Yep. About Peter Pan and Neverland. Who, like vampires, never grow up. Mm. Ah, so cool. I've always, that's, always loved that. That's interesting. And I mean, it's a, it's a completely different take. I remember said to Sarah when we finished watching it, I was like, that is such a different take on vampires. It stays true to vampire uh, myth, mythos, um, but sort of spins it on its head a little bit, turns it on its head a little bit and fuses it with that uh, Peter Pan sort of um, lore, you know? It does, and they and they presented vampires different, although they clearly mm. are vampires in, ha- in how you think of vampires, but the approach, yeah. and again, going for that sex appeal, it's, the approach was like, when it comes to the fangs, okay, let's make the fangs smaller. When it comes to the prosthetics, let's not have it so it's too grotesque because, again, mm. like they want it to look, as Schumacher put it, hot, hot vampires. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the game, even, you know, again, coming from that fashion background and just the presentation of this film the blood although i've never noticed this but when doing prep i found the blood had glitter in it oh wow just to make it sparkle a little bit Mm, i mean this is way before we got sparkling vampires in twilight but the blood in this movie it did have glitter so even the way they even the way they sleep upside down in that cave the way they they sort of sleep nocturnally like bats that's referencing the whole bats, the vampires thing. That's pretty yeah. cool too. That's pretty ingenious. Very cool. Although you do get that really gross close-up of David's feet. 
went to like the oh, talons yeah. as he's hanging. Oh, awful. Always yeah, stayed yeah. with me, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually interesting that you mentioned Schumacher's background as a, as a fashion designer because I had no idea about that. And um, it, the more I think about that, it really shows, like, because he's his art style, or at least cinematically speaking, the way he presents things is very gaudy and very bombastic, and it always has been, and even in his Batman films. And that's so apparent; it, it really clicks now. You know, I think about it. I mean, there you go and think like it was his Batman film that first had Batman have nipples on his butt. Yeah, the bat nipples and the bat butt, the close-ups. There you go. But think like visually, the the design, the mm. you know the the paint, all of that, the glow-in-the-dark paint. Yeah. Anyway. That's, <laughs> anyway. That's what I that's what I mean. Gaudy, bombastic. Yeah. Um, that's just Joel Schumacher. And there we go. you know, that's apparent. That's apparent with Lost Boys too. But the film was released and produced by Warner Brothers Pictures on July 31st, 1987, and was a critical and commercial success, grossing over 32.0 million against a production budget of 8.5 million. The success of the film has spawned a franchise with two sequels, The Lost Boys, The Tribe, and Lost Boys, The Thirst, and two comic book series that I mentioned earlier. Corey Feldman comes back. Um, You don't need to watch those. Only if you're really curious. I was just going to ask you, have you seen the sequels? I have. I'll I'll get to it more later on as we okay. as we finish up. But yes, I I have seen them. The plot is fairly straightforward. Lucy, along with her two sons, Michael and Sam, moves to a small town in California. Soon the two boys are sucked into the mysterious and dangerous world of bikers, vampires, and vampire hunters. That's a great setup. I just, ah, again, this film. Yeah. I have so much, so much love for this film. So much, so much going on. Hmm. We can start with, let's start with Michael Emerson, played by Jason Patrick. Now, when I think of this film, I always think, Michael, Michael, his name. Because I always thought, you know what? You seem to hear his name quite a lot. But honestly... Hmm. Nothing prepared me for when I looked up to find how many times his name is actually spoken in this film. Like, now keep in mind, this is a 90-minute movie, right? Can I, can I have a guess? Well, you can have a guess, yeah. All right, let's go with 47 times. Right, now this is all characters in the movie. His name is said well, approximately around 118 times. Over hundred times his name is said in this film. No way. So I think somebody's kind of done the research there. They've come in at 118, but they've just added approximately. But with I'd say at least a hundred times. And it definitely feels that way. Oh man. Okay, that blows my 47 out of the water. <laughs> More than double. But they do say it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, do say just, it. yeah I, it's funny. I, I you say that, but I didn't actually notice. I guess, I guess if I rewatch it, I'll be more, a lot more mindful of how many times his name is said. It could be all you notice. Mm. <laughs> if it's said that mm. many times. As his younger brother, Sam Emerson, we have Corey Haim. Now, in the 80s, it was a big thing. The two mm. Corys, Corey Haim, yeah. Corey Feldman. They That's did right. a, a series of 
films together. It was a popular 80s trend, but this is where it first started. This was mm-hmm. the first film they did together. And then they did things like, I think, License to Drive. And I think came actually came back, maybe just for a cameo, in one of those direct-to-home release Lost Boys sequels. I'm pretty right. sure he did. Maybe this, maybe the first sequel they did. But it all started here, the two Corys. Yeah. And look, they, they went on to spawn, like you say, you know, a plethora of different films together. They even had that reality show, The Two Corys. I never actually watched it, but it was a thing. Like, I don't even know like it was MTV or something like that. But the I'm two guessing Corys, it probably sucked. We, we ran for a couple of seasons, but never actually watched it myself. Mm. Kiefer Sutherland is David Powers. I never knew he had a surname. I just knew he was David. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at Sutherland, he sort of channels different actors, um, sort of visually. I, I forget who they were now, but <laughs> when I was watching it the other night, I thought to myself, just his face, the certain expressions he does, he looks like a few other actors. I think, you know, sometimes he can look like Nicholson. Sometimes he can look like um, uh, Al Pacino or um, probably, you know, um, Harvey Cartel. There's just something going on about his face. Yeah, like he... He's the one that I think of when I think of this movie. Mm. But Michael, you know, one of the main characters, but for me, it's, it's always David. And Kiefer Sutherland, he, he steals the show. He is absolutely oh, he fantastic in this. Doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have too much dialogue. No, so but there's an air of... Just, yes, screen presence. Yeah, there's a subtle air of menace about him, and that's very noticeable. You know, originally, he was reluctant to star in the film until he heard that Joel Schumacher had lined up In Excess and Jimmy Barnes to sing some of the songs on the soundtrack. (laughs) Kiefer had spent a summer in Australia when he was a child and became fans of their music. I mean, we can talk more about the music. (laughs) We can talk more about the music later on, but holy crap. Like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, again, this film is great anyway, but the music is adding adding so much to it. Like the songs in this film are are fantastic. Kiefer's father, Donald Sutherland, was in a vampire movie five years later, and we reviewed it recently. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You clearly had a much better time with this movie. I had a feeling oh, yeah. that you would. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, I did. I I really liked it. I was surprised actually just how much I liked it. By the end of it, I was like. I was kind of stoked. I was like, wow, this is actually really good. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. When it comes to the vampires, for me, I think David, I think Marco, who is the Alex Winter character, mm. or the character Alex Winter plays, the other vampires in that gang, you've got Brooke McCarter as Paul, Billy Worth as Dwayne. What's interesting about these vampires so early on, you've got the merry-go-round sequence. Yeah. That sequence foreshadows the order in which the Lost Boys die. Marco dies first, Paul second, Dwayne third, and David last. Yeah, wow, that's, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. So that's when you first see them on that merry-go-round. That's the order of their death in the film. Wow. I wonder if that was actually thought out, like, you know, sort of. I'd say, well, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would absolutely. It's not just random, random coincidence. No, no, no. no. It, it was very much foreshadowing what would happen later in the film. I it's mean, very interesting. I like that. 
for the vampires, it's pretty immediate as they die, except for David. Mm. He only gets impaled on the antlers. That's right. You know, so I think they were kind of, well, they were leaving it open for a sequel. Yeah. There was a planned Lost Lost Girls film. It was going to be called Lost Girls. And at one time, I think after the Crossroads movie, Britney Spears was in conversation. But obviously that never, never took off. Never happened. Yeah, never got any legs. Lucy Emerson, uh, Diane Weist as the mum, and she's great. She yeah. is so great in this. Yeah, I, I remember when I watched it, I said to Sarah, she looks like the lady who played the mum in Edward Scissorhands. And she was, she is. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's because she is. <laughs> that's because she is, Nathan. Yeah. Yes. I, oh, that's another great film. But yeah, I I think of this film when I think of her, but that's a close second. Mm. Yeah, she's good. She's um, she, she did a really good job playing the mum. Very, um, very serviceable actress. Um, yeah, she's she sort of very, got that really mollycoddling energy about her. Like she's very, she grabs everyone in close and holds him tight. You know, she's very sort of protective, protective mother. Yeah, but there's, yeah, but there's something, there's something cool about her at the same time. Like she's not yeah, like the mums that you would have got in films coming out around this time. So yeah, she's definitely bringing something else to it. Mm. Talked about Corey Feldman already as Edgar Frog. He's one half of the Frog Brothers. Jameson Newlander <laughs> plays Alan Frog. I'm sure you picked up on the fact that the names of the Frog Brothers, Edgar and Alan, are a reference to Edgar Allan yes. Poe, a personal yep. favourite of yours, yeah, the well-known time. writer of horror fiction. Mm-hmm. Jamie Gertz is star, so she's the love interest for Michael. She's the reason why he's first pulled in with the Lost Boys in the first place. And she's often seen with Laddie, played by Chance Michael Corbett. And he was the boy who hadn't quite fully turned yet. Apparently Star was a half vampire, so she'd not fully transitioned either. Yeah, and that was kind of funny because like I or weird, just it took me a while to pick up on the fact that Michael himself was was a, a hybrid. He wasn't full vampire. He was half, half. That's it. So he'd not fully completed the the ritual. Mm. We find out Max, played by Edward Herman, he's the head vampire. He's the one mm. that turned David and everybody else. Yeah, we, we picked place. that. We were like, we picked that and we watched it. We were like, I bet you that guy that the mum's dating is going to be the head vampire. And sure enough. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think it's... It was never, I don't think it was ever intended to like, you don't find out until the last minute. It's not that kind yeah. of film. So you just go with it. And it, yeah, it is pretty obvious. Yeah. The it's mom, not like a big she's, revelationary thing. No, the mom's newly divorced. There's a new love interest. They're talking yeah, about there being a head vampire. Maybe it's him. Mm. <laughs> There's mm. not many. Yeah. Anyway, but it's, it's still. Yeah. It, it works, and it's even though it's not a big surprise, it's it's a, a good reveal because they do. And then again, they do kind of try and throw you off. Max mm. very formally requests permission to enter the house. Initially, it seems like an obvious giveaway that he's a vampire, but then mm. he passes all the Frog Brothers vampire detection tests. That's right. Using yeah. the issue until it's revealed he passed because he was invited in. So that is law. To the Lost Boys. That's not vampire law. That's specific. Yeah. 
to this film. Yeah. Because ordinarily, have to be... even if you're invited in other vampire stories, you know, film, TV, books, whatever, even if they're invited in, like steak through the heart, garlic, holy water, that's still going to have an effect on them yeah. unless it's this film. So that's pretty cool. So wow. I guess they sneakily try to throw people off the scent a little bit, but yeah. like yourself, I always knew. That's an interesting take. Like I said, it was very, from the outset, as we said, it's a very interesting take on, on vampire fiction. This film has one of my favourite quotes to end a film ever. Absolutely mm-hmm. love it. And that quote is spoken by Barnard Hughes as Grandpa. So yeah, the old eccentric happens. guy. Uh, yeah, eccentric guy. So everything happens. There's vampires, there's destruction, all of house that. Gets, yeah, house gets trashed. It does. He's the one that comes home, and he's the one that, using his car, crashes through, and that's how yeah. David ends up getting impaled on I the antlers. But the quote, one thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach all the damn vampires. And it's like, in you. He knew the whole time. Ah, I absolutely love it. And it's perfect for me that you don't get to see his family's reaction to that revelation because Mm. you see him and they're looking on, but but they've got their backs to the camera. So Mm. for me, it's pitch perfect. That's where it ended. If they were to say something like, oh, you knew all along, it had taken away from it. But it's such a perfect ending. It's nice. I like the way he just casually walks to the fridge and grabs out a drink, and then he just says the line, like it's like it's like it's no big deal. You know, there is some speculation online that he's actually a half vampire, and when he's going to the fridge and he's drinking his ginger ale or root beer, mm. that what he actually is is blood that he's taking from the animals. You know, his hobby, taxidermy. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like concrete. That's just what people speculate that he was a I'll tell you what, though, that's, all along. That's not a, that's not a, not a half bad um, speculation. I mean, that that could have very well paved the way for a sequel. Yeah. I mean, it it uh, it could have worked. You know, originally the film didn't end with a joke. Like it didn't end with that great great quote. After the scene with Grandpa at the refrigerator. It was supposed to cut to the surviving Lost Boys recouping in the sunken hotel. The last shot was of a mural on the wall made in the early 1900s with Max in it looking exactly the same as he did today. All of this appeared in an early draft of the script, but ultimately was never filmed. So I think yeah, I the ending, just... well, I think they got a better ending. I think the way they mm-hmm. ended it is um, is a, is a great way to go. Do you know what? I can't believe we've been talking about this film for as long as we have, and we've not yet mentioned Tim Capello as the saxophone player. I mean, <laughs> he is incredible. Is you know, he's, he opens the movie. Oh, yeah. He opens yeah, the yeah. Movie. And like he's sweating by the fire. He's all greased up with, with he's sweat. All greased up. He's bronze. Mm. I mean, incredible. Yep. Shirtless, <laughs> rocking the sax. That's it. Capello, That's pure 80s. It is pure 80s. So Capello, the oily saxophone player on the dock, made a name for himself by playing in the touring band of Tina Turner. And that was during her spectacular comeback tours of the 1980s. Wow. 
that song that he's playing, right? Mm. I didn't know that's actually him. He's singing. Wow. I thought he was just like, I don't know, an extra Mining in the movie. It, yeah. But yeah. it's a cover of The Call's I Still Believe. It's on the wow. soundtrack and playing in the film. And yeah, that's his cameo. In Holy one God. of those comics that I mentioned earlier, you find out that he also knows about the vampires and he is a vampire hunter. And playing yeah. the sax on the beach, that's his cover. <laughs> so, right, that's interesting. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of, of that guy. Yeah, there's, there's so many little sort of asides that you would never really think to, so many rabbit holes to fall down with that movie that you would never think to go down, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. With the, with the special effects, there are only two green screen shots in the entire movie. With the mm-hmm. budget solo, these only last a couple of seconds each and both occur in the climactic final fight scene. The yep. fight is when Sam is pulled into the air by vampire Dwayne. This only occurs for a moment, and the reveal after constant camera-only flight shots would have played well for the audiences in theatres. The second is the long-awaited moment when David and Michael fly at each other to fight. They're the only two green screen shots. I mean, if that was made today, way more than two. Oh, yeah, it would be everywhere. Hmm. Green screen would be employed everywhere in a movie made today. You might find this interesting. The comic shop in the film hmm? is a real comic shop. I did not know that. The new location of the Atlantis Fantasy World comic book store, which was featured in the film, is owned by Joe Ferrara II, who still carries the original number one issue of Vampires Everywhere that Sam reads in the film. The comic was created only for the film, and its opening page is signed by all of the cast members from the movie. The owner, Joe, allows any shopper to hold it and take a photo free of charge. So there you go. That's pretty awesome. If you're in That's the awesome. area, get yourself a Do we know who the artists are of the comic? No, unfortunately not. That is a very good question and would have been good if I had an answer. I am unsure. Um, I think after we wrap up today, it will be a quick Google search. Yeah, I was going to say that would be a really good off-air Google search. Touched on the music already, Thomas Newman wrote the original score as an eerie blend of orchestra and organ arrangements. Great score. And again, the music. The soundtrack contains a number of notable songs and several covers, including Good Times. That's the duet between In Excess and former Gold Chisel lead singer Jimmy Barnes, which reached number two on the Australian charts. That's uh, that's pretty, pretty cool. The soundtrack also features a cover version of the Doors song People Are Strange by Echo and the Bunnymen. The song, as featured in the film, is an alternate shortened version with a slightly different musical arrangement. Lou Graham, lead singer of Foreigner, also recorded Lost in the Shadows for the soundtrack, along with a video which featured clips from the film. The theme song Cry Little Sister was originally recorded by Gerard McMahon for the soundtrack. 
In the film sequel, Lost Boys, The Tribe, Cry Little Sister was covered by a Seattle-based rock band, Aiden, and appeared again in the closing credits of Lost Boys, The Thirst. So that's what I think of, just Cry Little Sister. I absolutely love that music. And McMahon, he wrote the theme song after only reading the script without ever seeing a frame of the film. It's funny you mentioned Aiden. I've heard of that band. I'm wondering if they're the, one, the same one I'm thinking of or whether they're a completely different band. I'm unsure. That's yeah. Doing prep for this, it's the first time that I've come across mm. come across them. Yeah, it's interesting that they chose to pursue so many covers. I wonder if it's because they didn't want to pay the original artists any royalties or couldn't get the rights. No, I think it was more having a younger sound to cover those songs. I think it was gotcha. a stylistic choice, to be honest. So I've touched on the sequels already. Kiefer Sutherland's character David was impaled on antlers, but does not explode or dissolve as the other vampires do. He was intended to have survived, which will be picked up in a sequel, The Lost Girls. Scripts for this and other sequels circulated over the years. Schumacher made several attempts at a sequel during the 90s, but nothing came to fruition. David makes a reappearance in the 2008 comic book series Lost Boys, Reign of Frogs, which serves as a sequel to the film and a prequel to Lost Boys, The Tribe. Do you actually have those comics? I would have thought you would have gone out of way to get them. No, I don't, but I read them. And I was in a bookstore yesterday and they had the most recent one. I was very, very tempted. It's the one where you find out that the saxophone player is a is a hunter. I think I, I think I should. Yeah. Tony Harris does the covers and Tim Seeley is the writer on that one. I'll go back and pick it up. A direct to DVD sequel, Lost Boys to Tribe was released more than 20 years after the release of the original film. Corey Feldman returned as Edgar Frog. Uh, as I said earlier, there was a cameo by Corey Haim as Sam Emerson. Kiefer Sutherland's half-brother, Angus Sutherland, played the lead vampire, Shane Powers. Oh, wow. In March 2009, work had begun on a third film entitled Lost Boys of Thirst, with Feldman serving as an executive producer in, in addition to playing Edgar Frog, and Newlander also returned for that one. Wow. There you go. So they're the films. You only really need to see this one. That's, I mean, it's amazing that more wasn't made of the sequels. You think that based on the success of the first film, that, you know, success would be assured for the sequels and they'd be sort of more prominently talked about or discussed or, or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, September last year, uh, 2021, a new film was announced to be directed by Jonathan Enthwistle. From a script by Randy McKinnon, starring Noah Jupe and Jaden Martell. So apparently hmm. we will get more Lost Boys. Um, It'd probably be a, a retelling or, or a, um, a new take. I'd imagine so. But who knows? Like spin-off, reboot, remake. Yeah, that's, could be Hollywood has a weird, any Hollywood has a weird, weird obsession with rebooting stuff these days, doesn't it? It's like no original ideas stick anymore. It's like, it's like the way Disney are going, let's repatriate all our films and reboot them live action. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bigger conversation. I mean, there, there is new content, but people tend to go back to known IP. Yeah, the classics, yeah. what they know. Exactly. But there is still new content coming out. Um, hmm. 
But anyway, we're going to get a new take on The Lost Boys. So that, I, I mean, I don't know. I love this movie. Yeah, this I, movie I, will always exist, but I'm curious to see what happens next. I mean, at one point, there was going to be a TV show on the CW, but that mm. got stopped a couple of times. And yeah, mm. so the next thing we're going to get is a new film. I think what the good thing about new films is that they do serve as a good comparison point. So if anything, they make you appreciate the original subject matter even more because you can go back and compare them and say, well, the original still holds up. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were going to rate this film out of five. Hmm. I'm going to come in at probably like a good four, a good solid four. Um, I liked it. I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. It was certainly a lot better than I, than I imagined it to be. Um, more than I expected it to be, and uh, it was it was entertaining. It was it was really entertaining. I I don't really feel there's anything majorly that lets it down, but I can't think of anything that warrants a, a total five <laughs> either. So I'm going to come in at a, at a nice rounded kind of four for me. I did enjoy it. For me, I'm going to come in at a five out of five, and the reason I'm coming in at a five is because I can't score higher. I absolutely love everything about this movie. It is an absolute classic. It's a movie that uh, my wife and I enjoy. In fact, it's her favorite movie of all time. So it's up there for both of us. Yeah, this movie is incredible. So again, curious what they do next, but this movie will always exist. And I watch it most Halloweens, including recently. That's awesome. Everyone's got a movie like that that they just love to pieces or as good they hold up as like the ultimate Halloween viewing. And clearly this movie is that for you. It just ticks so many boxes. Mm, I mean, boxes, the concept, yeah. the cast, the look of the film, the soundtrack. I mean, it has it all. Absolutely love this film. Well, that's it for our episode all about The Lost Boys. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.